Recovery Elevator, episode 355. So I was just really huge with going out and being public with it. That helped me a lot. It's kind of actually been kind of the way I've processed a lot of things. So I just knew that with telling everybody and telling people that loved me and loved my family and were part of my community, that this is where I was going to go and this is how we were going to move forward from here has been huge. Life is always working in your favor. You can't heal in the same environment you became sick. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's podcast, we have Rocio. She's 42 years old. She's from Seattle and took her last drink on August 20th, 2020. Great job, Rocio. Registration is now open for Restore, which is our intensive dry January course. 2022 is a new year. You deserve peace, joy, and a sense of calm. Listeners, this is much more than a 30-day AF challenge or sobriety course. It represents you having the courage and openness to listen to the body and make a major change in your life. In this 14-session course, geared towards the newcomer, we'll cover different recovery paths. Is AA right for you? How to build community, techniques for calming the mind, spirituality, mindfulness, meditation, and the best part is you won't be alone. Join fellow course attendees on Zoom for 14 sessions. Classes are both lecture and small group discussions. Homework and resources are emailed after each class. Course starts Saturday, January 1st at 3 p.m. Eastern. And course days are Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays. Go to recoveryelevator.com forward slash restore and link is in the show notes. Thank you, Liz. Okay, let's get started. And let me just say it's great to be here with you. Again, for the podcast episodes in November and December, aka the Sobriety Gauntlet, we're coming at you with three dynamite tips each episode on how to make it through the holidays alcohol-free. Speaking of dynamite, what's your favorite Tao Cruz song from 2010? Mine is Dynamite. Before we get into today's recommendations, I want to mention if you drank over Thanksgiving or if your sobriety plans aren't going so hot, Please don't kick the bucket to January next year or next holiday season. Stacking days is what most people's recovery looks like. What I mean is, if you logged 20 AF days this holiday season and last year you logged zero, that's major progress with a capital M and P. So please don't hit the fuck it button if you drink or are drinking. Keep listening. Give these recommendations a shot and start building your alcohol-free life one sober morning, afternoon, and night at a time. Okay, I hope you all enjoyed Odette's intro last week. She is a rock star. And here are her recommendations from the episode. Number one, have an escape plan. Make sure you've got a ride or an exit strategy if you find yourself around a bunch of drunk buffoons or in a triggering situation. Number two, offer to do the dishes. This could be part of your escape plan light. In addition, pun intended, this is a great way to practice mindfulness as it pulls your mental energies elsewhere. And her third recommendation was don't forget your why. And there are two parts to this. Why you're quitting drinking is in the hangovers, drunk texts, maybe legal repercussions, etc. And then the more important why, I want to be the best mother or father I can be. 
or I want to ride a hot air balloon before sunrise at the annual Albuquerque Hot Air Balloon Festival, which was recently named one of the best hot air balloon festivals in the world. Okay, that's the last time I'm going to mention Hot Air Balloon Festival in this episode, I think. Okay, listeners, let's get into this week's game plan. The first thing I recommend you incorporate on your alcohol-free journey is rest. Netflix and Audible were built for this. So rest. After all, this time of year, especially for those who live in colder climates or experience seasons, is a time for rest and rejuvenation. Remember, we are nature, and most animals hibernate or chill out for a good four to five months this time of year. Native cultures would set up camp for the winter and rest the whole winter. Inuit tribes recognized this was a time for restoration. Some Inuit cultures sit in igloos during the winter months in total darkness and silence to allow the body, the mind, and the spirit to rejuvenate. When we are resting in a safe place, this tells the nervous system it's time to digest food, reduce swelling in inflamed areas of the body, and the mind goes from beta to alpha brain states. All that means is your thinking mind calms down. Now I get it, it isn't practical for you to go out in your backyard and build a 200 square foot igloo. But I do want you to dedicate time in your day to rest and relax. Number two, let's talk the Uno reverse card. Remember that other people's issues with you have nothing to do with you. Some dude named Jesus had a great line about this. Something to the tune of, you may inquire about the splinter in my eye, but you're ignoring the plank in your own eye. Why am I calling this the Uno reverse card? While coaching football this past fall, I heard of a player's younger brother who was being bullied at school, which sucks. So this kid actually brought an Uno reverse card with him to school and would flash the card anytime someone disrespected him. Solid response, kid. Again, almost all criticism and judgments towards you actually have nothing to do with you. This one takes practice to implement and it requires space before reacting. All right. Number three, remind yourself that you're physically safe. Most likely, there is some sort of tension in the body from childhood that is saying we aren't physically safe. Again, remind yourself that you're physically safe, but not while walking in a parking structure after work or near the grizzly bear exhibit at the zoo. Get in a safe place, maybe in a basement, and I want you to believe it. I want you to know it. So much of our addiction is tied to an overactive nervous system. This keeps us in a constant state of low-grade fight or flight, and many of us have accepted this as baseline. Listeners, this is a big one, and I want to dedicate serious airtime next year on working with the nervous system. So for this one, I recommend lying on your back in a safe, dark place and start scanning internally for muscles that are holding on or a nervous energetic front. Some of these holding patterns have been in the stuck-on position for years, and it's going to take your mental energies to instruct these areas that you're safe. So more on number three. This past summer, I was sitting in a lawn chair watching the sunset in my house in Montana. This is one of my favorite things to do. I looked down at my dog, Ben, and then began to observe my surroundings. Sure, a comet could fall out of the sky, and the dormant supervolcano called Yellowstone could erupt at any time, but I, for the most part, was physically safe. This was a major light bulb moment for me. So much of the motivation for my actions leading up until this moment was me seeking physical safety. I remember telling myself, Paul, we're, we're safe. And then I sank back into my chair and relaxed like I never had before. A big unconscious pattern in my life had been brought to the surface. 
This was a powerful moment for me, listeners. As I mentioned, in future episodes, I want to cover ways to work with the nervous system because so much of an addiction is tied to an overactive or unbalanced nervous system. I saw an internet meme one time that said, I've got 99 problems and 98 of them have to do with my nervous system. Okay, now let's get into our mini pep talk for this episode. And if you'd like to get just this part of the episode for free, that would be the talk and the music, go to recoveryelevator.com forward slash meditations. Link is in the show notes. Thank you, Liz. It's... It's as if we are mildly experiencing life when numbed or recovering from the night before, all energy, both mental and physical, are exhausted. When we're drinking, there is no time left to create, to explore, to discover, to get to know, or to reflect upon. Instead, we're always picking up the pieces, sometimes trying to put the pieces together from the night before. Much of this behavior is the body seeking safety, refuge from situations that may have occurred decades ago. I'm guessing there's a constant dance or movement taking place to ensure your safety, and drinking played a major role in this. This was vital in childhood and early adulthood and kept you alive, but now this unconscious behavior, seeking physical safety, can stop. Ask yourself in this moment if you're physically in harm's way. Unless you're soaring a thousand feet above the earth at a hot air balloon festival, most likely the answer is no. There is no physical threat to your being at this moment. You're safe. Go ahead and thank yourself for ensuring this safety up until this moment. If there ever was a moment where your life was in grave danger, know the intelligence of the body would take over and guide you to safety. Take a deep breath in and remind yourself you are safe. Most of the emotional fronts we face signify a projected physical threat in the distance or future. These existential threats may have been true in childhood, but remind yourself in the inner child that at this moment you are safe. This breath and the next brings peace. We can relax. You are safe. You can let the inner guidance take over. Allow the body and mind to heal. You are your own healer, your own shaman. You have been seeking physical safety and now you have it. You know exactly what to do. And before we hear from Rocio and Odette, let's hear from Exact Nature. Exact Nature's all-natural CBD-based products are specially formulated to help you lighten the load in recovery. I've been taking Exact Nature's sleepy CBD pills and sleeping so well. These products are 100% THC-free and they can be a great tool for your recovery. Learn more at exactnature.com and use the promo code RE20 to receive a 20% discount on your order. That is RE20 at exactnature.com. Thank you for another great introduction, Paul and Recovery Elevator. Please help me welcome my friend Rocio to the podcast today. Rocio, ¿cómo estás? Bien, bien. It's so good to hear your voice again, Odette. 
I'm so glad that you're here. We have had some audio issue, issues in the past, listeners. So I'm just happy that uh, we're getting it right because I know Rocio's story is so powerful and I can't wait for you all to get to know her better. And let's get right to it, Rocio. When was the last time you had a drink? Um, okay, so yes, third time's a charm. Uh, last time I had a drink was August 31st, 2020. And can you give listeners a little background on yourself? Can you let us know where you're from? Do you have a family? What are your hobbies? And what do you do for a living? Uh, yes. So I am from um, Southern California. I live in Edmonds, Washington, cute little town by the water, just 20 minutes north of Seattle-ish. I am 42 years old. I'm married with three boys, Diego Cruz and Joaquin. They're 16, 13, and 11. And we have a wonderful dog. His name's Cortez, and he's very handsome. So I'm a flight attendant. And what do I like to do for fun? Let's see. I love to cook. I love to host friends and family. I also love to dance, and I love to karaoke sing. And I enjoy yoga. Yes, that's pretty much the gist. Listeners, Rocio has a contagious smile. And although I've never met her in person, it's just been really nice seeing her through social media and seeing how much she just enjoys life now that she's alcohol free. I know that I didn't really get to know you before. I've only known this version of you, Rocio, but I just love how you just show up to life and it's just really inspiring. So like I said, I'm really happy that we're here and let us know how your life was before you made this decision. Let us know about your decision uh, to quit drinking. Where did it stem from? When did you even start drinking? Did it progress? Just tell us your story. Um, okay, Odette, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I've loved listening to Recovery Elevator and I, let's see, so 430 days today, um, which is very exciting. My first drink when I was 18 and I went on a like graduation trip to Mexico um, with my cousins. My parents sent me for like graduating, like my little graduation present. And we went to Puerto Vallarta and it was hot and I had a strawberry margarita and it went down and then it came right back up. And I remember that was the first time I felt drunk and I was sick and it was just it was not the funnest um, experience um, so that was like 18 and then kind of fast forward a little bit let's see it didn't really become a problem until I'd say maybe the last I don't know six years or so several things kind of happened in my life I I was previously married I was in an abusive, um, it was an abusive relationship. I'm actually coming to terms with everything now. It's pretty amazing how you see things after the fog of alcohol is gone. And I had the wherewithal to get out of that marriage, which I'm so thankful for. And I have the support of my family. Yeah, so that's kind of like that happened. And I, I don't remember drinking being a problem there. But that was that was a big thing that happened in my life. So then I, I became a flight attendant, I married my husband. And then we got married and I moved from California to Washington. 
And I feel like I just kind of always like just put like my best foot forward. And I was just like, okay, you're doing this. This is the way you're supposed to do things. You're going, you're going, going forward. I had babies and I just kind of, um, I'm really social. So I love just being around people. And I just, I kind of just wanted to like make my friends and make my network and, and kind of just, you know, make my life there. And I did, but I feel like when, when I had all three of my boys and I, I was in play dates and I was just being involved in school and I don't really remember me drinking a ton. I, I just kind of, it was just always kind of a part of our play dates. And I, I feel like I remember being a pusher a little bit. Like I remember hosting like my peps group at my house and like offering margaritas. I think that happened and I laugh about it now because all of my girlfriends were nursing and it was just like, what am I doing? But anyway, that happened. And then I think once my boys kind of started going to school and playing sports and my network just kind of grew and grew. And I just feel like somehow alcohol became a part of everything we did, you know, just like everything. I mean, you can think about like baseball games, baseball tournaments after our little like um, co-op meetings or um, PTA, whatever mom groups, it was part of all the things. And I just remember it being like, feeling like we deserve it. Right. We work so hard. We're moms. We deserve it. And we just, it, that's when kind of things became a problem. Stuff started happening where I, um, I just remember we would go to like family barbecues, family dinners. And um, my husband's a very normal drinker. He likes his, his beer, his nice beer after work, maybe once or here and there, he's never had a problem. And he would know when to go and I would start and I just wouldn't know when to stop. And it was time to go, you know, boys had early morning games and I see would look at me and he'd be like, okay, it's time to go. Like he'd start like early just because he knew it would be a thing. And I'd be like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And everybody would be like, no, we'll take her home. We'll take her home now. You know? And, and then he, he would leave, he would leave with our boys and put them down, put them to bed. You know, I'd stay somehow I'd find my way home. Sometimes he'd come back and that started happening more often mm. than not. Like we would make a plan, right? We would be like, okay, we're going to our friend's house. We're going to barbecue. We're going to a Christmas party. Let's make a plan, Rocio. Like, you know, I'll give you, I'll, I'll come over. We'll give you, I'll give you some water in between. We'll give, you know, we'll have like a secret word. I mean, it was a thing. And I would always just kind of be like, okay, yeah, no, I'm going to be good. It's going to be great. Like I oh, two drinks, I'm good. But no, mm-hmm. it wouldn't. And it wouldn't. was like, was the planning and the talking about it beforehand from a place of concern on his end or what was his tone? Was it more, I'm worried about you or you can't keep doing this to me. I'm the one who's taking the kids now. Where were you guys at in terms of like the relationship and how it was becoming a little bit evident that alcohol was affecting you differently than him perhaps? Um, Yeah, it was at a place of concern. Honestly, um, he he was he was concerned for me. He knows my background and the way that I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. My dad um, is an alcoholic, and I grew up with it, with the consumption of it normalized in my home. So he knew that there was that background, and he was gener- he was he was genuinely concerned for me and for us as a family. And he was always in the way of like, how can I help you, right? So I appreciate that so much from him. He's He's amazing. Um, and it was never like 
pointing fingers or anything. Like he's like, let's just, let's do this. Like I, I, I want, I, I love that you're social. I love that you're this and that you're, you're, you make everything better when you're there, but mm-hmm. there comes a point where it needs to end and you, you just don't have a turn off switch because you're like, let's, let me help you find that, you know, but our relationship was like, was great. Like we've always just communicated well. And I've always, you know, as I've dive, dove into my whole situation, I've found that I've always kind of had some self-sabotaging characteristics, you know, like I've always just kind of wanted to move the rug under my feet. And when things are going too good, there's always something that I always kind of want to do to make it bad or make it just what I'm used to with mm-hmm. what, what I grew up with. Anyway, that kind of started happening. The boys kind of started asking questions, right? Because they, they notice, they see their mom staying at parties and, the, and then their dad taking them home and just kind of, they, they ask questions. And Steve told me, you know, the boys are asking questions. They're realizing they're noticing, like they can tell that this is happening. Anyway, we just kind of pushed forward. And I, I feel like, in the last maybe four years, I was on a hamster wheel and I was just running, 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 going, going, circle, circle, circles, being part of everything, not saying no to anything. I turned 40 and it was the biggest fiesta you could ever imagine all year long, really. <laughs> I always told myself that I love celebrating my birthday um, big, 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 because growing up, I never was, I never really remember celebrating a birthday, right? So there's a lot of inner child healing and work, but I think that when I was drinking, I was not really healing or doing the work. I was just numbing it, right? Because it's what we do. And you just kind of numb it and numb it because you want to always feel happy. So let's see, 2019, 4th of July, um, everything kind of came to a stop. I was riding my bike. We live in a cute little town. And I told my husband that day I was going to ride my bike all day. And we, there was a parade and there's a 5k, I ran the 5k, invited all the, my friends over for Bloody Marys after, and um, my husband made us amazing Bloody Marys, whatever. And then we went to the parade and, you know, so I was not sober, obviously I was definitely drinking that day. And anyway, I ran into some friends and um, I thought it would be, be a great idea to hop on the handlebars of my bike. And my friend's husband was riding the bike and anyway, I, we fell we fell and I broke my right hip, Ouch! <laughs> like actually broke my right hip on the 4th of July and ambulances were called. I knew that something had happened right at the moment when it happened. It was the most pain I've ever been in. And it was just huge. It was a big, big thing. I think in the moment, I didn't think how big it was all going to be. And I didn't had no idea how this was going to change my life. But oh my goodness, it's proven to be that moment where you're like, whoa, you know, I don't know if, you know, higher power, God, source, the universe, you know, whatever you will call it throws you like little pebbles, right? You get thrown pebbles and then you get thrown like little bigger pebbles or rocks. This was a bulldozer, Odette. (laughs) (laughs) This was like, okay, Rocio, okay, you're not going to listen. Let's just go ahead and do this and shut you down. Like really like Boom. I had to get surgery the next day. It was either a hip replacement or three pins put in. I got the three pins put in. It happened to be my anniversary. So my 16 year anniversary was at the hospital um, with my husband holding my leg up while they put a catheter in. I was like, happy anniversary, honey. (laughs) It was 
crazy. <laughs> it was a lot. So anyway, that happened in 2019. And I literally had to like, stop. And I had to like, learn how to actually walk again and physical therapy and the healing took a long, long time. I didn't work for a year. So at that moment, I didn't stop drinking. I actually was telling my girlfriend right now that I felt comfort knowing that at least I could still have my wine, which is interesting. I remember getting off the pain meds a little like quicker and earlier just so that I could have my glass of wine. And yeah, there was just a lot of time where I had to actually sit with myself, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to sit in this muck and I just made some big, big, big kind of decisions. I, I kind of dove into a little bit of Enneagram and started learning a little bit more about like how I come to make decisions and how I come to be. And as it turns out, shocker, I'm a seven, no surprise. <laughs> and I kind of started with that. I just have to ask when the accident happened and it was a big wake up call for you in many ways, but like you said, you were still um, continuing to drink, which happens to a lot of people, whatever their wake up call is. Sometimes that doesn't mean that that's when they stop drinking. I'm just curious. Did you think of the accident from coming from the place of it's alcohol's fault? If I hadn't been drunk, this could have been a different outcome. Or did you, were you not ready to connect those dots that alcohol may have had a role in what happened? I was not ready to connect the dots at that moment at all. In fact, I didn't start connecting the dots until I became sober, until I stopped, mm -hmm. until I removed alcohol. And, um, and it actually even took a little while then. So just re just like I would say, let's see, maybe about six months into sobriety was when I was really, actually probably the anniversary when I was sober, like in, around that time, I started really reflecting and thinking, holy, like this this alcohol for a long time, everybody would ask when I would tell people, oh my gosh, were you drunk? And I would always say, no, not drunk enough. Cause I felt everything. And you know, my husband was always so kind and said, you know, it was an accident. It was an accident. Always chalked it up as an accident. And it was an accident, but let me tell you, alcohol played a part. Alcohol had everything to do with, with that accident. It, it, it was, it was the relationship that I had with alcohol and the way alcohol lived in my, like where it was in my world at that moment that put me where I was and had my, you know, where my mind was like feeling like, yeah, sure. It's fine. Brucio, hop on those handlebars. You know what I mean? Like, even if I wasn't inebriated at that moment, I know that alcohol played, had everything to do with it. So, yeah. Yeah. And how brave that, you are able to be there now and sit there with that accountability and that responsibility for yourself. You know, it's really hard to put up a mirror and really confront those parts of us that we're not really proud of. I, I know that you and I have talked offline about just being a mom and guilt that comes with that and things that we've done while we were drinking and it's a lot. So you've done a lot of work and you said it started with just kind of the inner curiosity about yourself and, and what was happening inside of you, you were still drinking those. So how did this evolve? And what got you to your last drink? Once you were already starting to become aware of you and, and your way of living? Well, let's see, like I, I've done like dry September. No, I've done dry January's since like 2017, right? So I've been curious about my alcohol for a while and just kind of feeling like, oh gosh, 
like, I just want to do 30 days just to see if I can. And, and then, and then I do, and then I journal and I, and I write how great I feel. Right. And then I, and then I, I read, I reread my journals back when I, I did my 20 or my, my dry January and, um, 2017. And it actually said something like, um, I wish I didn't have to drink again. <laughs> and it's like at 20 in, in back then, I just had no idea what it that I even could or what it even looked like to not drink and live a full and normal life. I just didn't see it. So in August, my family came up from California. We went up to our family cabin and my dad, my parents were, were with, were, were with us and my sister brought them up and we had a wonderful time. And, um, I had been away from my family, like just for long periods of time for a while. And this was kind of the first time where I got to really spend some quality time with them in a cabin setting on an Island, you know, and I got to see firsthand exactly where kind of like just what my, my dad's, um, my dad's alcohol problem had, had kind of turned into. Um, we, you know, I just remember us like managing his intake and his beers and counting them out. And, you know, it just became, it just became really evident what it all looked like firsthand. Sometimes when you don't see it every day, you, you kind of ignore it. And I just remember my son asking me one morning because my dad may have woken up and gone to the fridge and got his first beer, like at six in the morning or early, early in the morning. And he asked me genuinely, he just was curious. He's like, why does Abuelito need to have a beer at like six in the morning? Um, and I told him, I was very honest with him. And I was just like, you know, he, it's a problem. And, and this is the way we manage it. And um, I could see in his face that he kind of connected the dots a little bit in the way that it was just really like, it was just a moment of clarity where I, I thought he, he thinks like, I know he thinks it, or he's questioning, wondering if this is going to be me, like if this is what's going to happen to me. In that moment where you just like look at your kids and you could see that they they could see everything they know and you're just like holy moly like what am I gonna do here you know so my sister and I we you know we're very close in, in age and we are we do everything together and we had a wonderful week and we celebrated to our hearts content and drank and drank and then after that trip we decided to do a dry September so that's kind of where it started, I knew that in my heart, I was just feeling kind of like, okay, after seeing my dad, after listening, hearing my son question it, and just kind of being around it, I kind of knew that I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be, this might be my last 30 days. Um, I started reading some Quit Lit, right? I, I read um, Quit Like a Woman. I follow Chef Marcella, and she's amazing. And I just kind of started seeing sobriety in a different kind of way because I feel like I don't know just seeing Chef Marcella and just do all of her stuff and I know that she's not like full sobriety situation like I mean she's obviously sober but just seeing how normalized alcohol-free living was through her I I really just started feeling like okay I think this might be something I I can do and I just remember just feeling like deciding I was on a layover and I've told you this before, we've had this story, but it's such a powerful moment in my life and a huge turning point for me that I have to say it again. Um, I was in a layover um, and on Maui and I just remember it was like September 23rd and just going on a walk on the beach and seeing the sunset and I just finished Holly's book and I thought, 
uh, I saw the waves crashing and it was just so much bigger than me. It was bigger than everything that I had ever like felt. I felt like, I don't know, like surrounded with like the beauty of what was. And I just remember deciding at that moment and just realizing that this was it. I wasn't going to drink again and everything was going to be okay. And I was being held by something bigger than me. And this was the way it was going to be. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful moment of feeling like, Rocio, you're on the right path and you're doing the right thing and it's going to be okay. So yeah, that's kind of when I started, you know, I I just, October 1st came around, my sister called and she's like, yeah, we did 30 days. And I was like, yay. And she asked what I was celebrating with. And I said, water. And she was like, okay, so you're going to keep it going. I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to keep it going. We had a wedding later on that month and um, in Mexico, our cousin got married, was going to get married in, in Mexico, October 31st. And uh, my husband and I went and, and I, um, we had a wonderful time. It was a beautiful wedding. And I was just so thankful to be there. Woke up early the next morning, did morning yoga with my sister, my cousin who led it. And it was, yeah. So it's just kind of been like that, Odette. Oh my gosh. I, what a beautiful story. Cause I feel like, you know, it's a perfect description of a different kind of rock bottom moment. And the accident could have been a rock bottom moment in many people's eyes. But I do think that from all the stories that I've heard and have been grateful enough to chat with so many of people like you, you know, there, there is this inner bottom or inner shift or inner aha moment, whatever we want to call it. And just hearing you describe that moment that you had at the beach and feeling it in a way that is easier felt and harder explained, I think really encapsulates your readiness and willingness to step into an unknown because you did mention earlier in the interview that, you know, alcohol was a part of everything and and it is for many people. I know you and I share motherhood and busy schedules and games and teams and happy hours and and it is truly tapping into a whole new normal that we've never been a part of because I do think that we're thrown into the trenches of mommy wine culture pretty early on. And it does take a lot of bravery and courage to see things differently and then kind of destroy what you had to create something new, even though contextually it may look exactly the same. It's not like you moved or changed your schools or anything like that. It's more like the, the change came from within you. So I want to hear about how it was moving forward. You already had some momentum from the challenge you did with your sister, but how was it kind of going back into the life of Rocio? Like, how was it going back to social events on the daily and games? You know, did you start just putting in tea inside of your Yeti mug instead of wine? Or how were all those little things that were part of the problem that were part of your life how how did you adapt all of that um yes so obviously you know that alcohol is part of every single celebration and every single event and honestly the pandemic was kind of a huge help a little I mean as I know that it's been it's been terrible for so many reasons but it's also if you really look inward you realize what the good has that has come out and there were no big you know fiestas and social gatherings um happening really And that helped a lot. I knew that 
I needed some a little additional accountability. So in October, I started reaching out to um, friends that I knew were sober. And I just, you know, would reach out and say, hey, you want to go for a coffee and, um, and or just just go and chat and just be like, listen, this is where I'm at. And I know that you are sober. And I, I'm gonna, like, need some, some, like, you know, just some, some, some support. And they were there. And to this day, they're still there. And I feel like I've built this little support group that has grown. So I was just really huge with going out and being public with it. That helped me a lot. It's kind of actually been kind of the way I've processed a lot of things. So I just knew that with telling everybody and telling people that loved me and loved my family and were part of my community, that this is where I was going to go. And this is how we were going to move forward from here has been huge. I remember, you know, telling my in-laws and telling my husband and telling my friends and um, just saying, this is, this is kind of where it's going. Like, I'm going to listen to this voice and I'm going to, I'm going to go forward with this. I know it's going to be hard, but um, I feel like this is where, um, this is where we, I, I need to, I need to be. So in the beginning, it was just going day by day, you know, after 30 days of, of um, feeling great, I think I had to just, and then I was going into the holidays, right? So then that was that. And I just kind of moved day by day. I remember just kind of changing habits, right? Changing small habits, like my nightly glass of red wine was changed to tea. To this day, I love my yogi tea and that's what I have at night. And after a while, it just becomes a new, a new normal. And um, I love yoga. That was huge. Um, I just started showing up for myself in a better way. I started um, doing more self-care. I journaled. Yeah. And every time like Facebook would remind me, because it does that great job of like bringing up these past photos, I would look at the photos and I would actually really just remember where I was in that moment, like first days of school, um, you know, mommy mimosas, all those things. And, and then I would, I would post about it and I would just kind of share the feelings that I got with that. And it, it would be kind of a, a way of like, not closing a chapter, but just kind of saying, okay, this is me now. And that's, that's who I was then. And, and then also just like loving that, that, that version of me as well. So I think I've made a few, I made a lot of changes in like kind of friend groups a little bit. I I just, I started saying no a little bit more. The FOMO, I, I acknowledged it and I let, I let myself feel it. And I just kind of I was just basically where my feet were and, and it's been, it's been, it's been really good. It's hard, but it's, it's been great. I mean, 430 days later, I just feel more, more stronger and confident in, in the things that I, I choose to do. And um, it's made my marriage just amazing. And my kids. Yeah. So I remember just reaching out to people to the people I knew were going to understand and, and just know that it'd be there. And to this day, they're, they are my, they're my people, you know? You know that I keep coming back to the word uh, courageous, like the words courageous and brave, because it, 
sometimes, and I, and I only speak this because I hear also people say it. My dad was one of those people who said, you know, there were times when I wanted to talk to your mom. So his wife, my dad's wife. And he says, I wanted to talk to your mom about it. I wanted to either turn around when we were in bed together and tell her like, I need help or pick up the phone and call her. And it felt like a thousand pounds were holding that phone or it felt like I was paralyzed next to her and I couldn't do the thing that I knew that would save me. And I feel like we are all very different and have unique experiences, but something that has worked extremely in your favor, Rocio, is like having that strength to talk to people who would get it and building that accountability and that support system from the get-go. What a game changer because it is so hard when you're trying to do it alone. It is so hard when you don't have people to turn you when the cravings hit or when you want advice. Like you need people that get it. And that's one of the reasons why we're consistently talking about the importance of community and accountability. It's because it truly does make a difference. And I'm so happy that you were able to start building that support system from your, for yourself early on, because I bet that it would have been a different journey had you not. Yes, I am so grateful for all of my sober friends. And I have girls, I have a good, wonderful group of friends that are that don't that do, they drink and they drink normally. And it, it's it's normal and it's fine. And I, I don't mind being around it. I, I've set some boundaries for myself, something that I never, ever knew I could even do. I never mm -hmm. knew it was possible to have boundaries. But through sobriety, I'm learning that boundaries are necessary and, and they're kind and they're kind boundaries. But uh, it's very interesting the way boundaries, you know, how other people perceive your boundaries, right? Um, I mean, I could become, I might come off as selfish or, you know, rude or whatever. And it, it, that's not, that's not, it has nothing to do with me, right? It has to, everything to do with how people are, their own perception of, of my own, my boundaries and their own journey, right? So I've just, yeah, I've been able to just kind of dig in a little deeper. It's amazing what pops out when you just, you're clear and, and you've removed this like substance that's been basically fogging everything. And it's, it's not always peaches and roses and it's not always like sunshine and, and rainbows, Odette. Like I've had to really dig deep and, um, you know, I don't think that I ever actually processed my first marriage and the abuse that surrounded it. And that's emotional. And I'm, I'm in that place right now. I feel like I've given my inner child a lot of love. And I think that my little six-year-old self is, is feeling, it's feeling pretty special these days, but I'm working on my, um, my early twenties, you know, that, 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 um, that Rocio is very present right now in my mind. And just, you know, domestic violence is something that is, Gosh, I, I watched the show made and I was just taken by it completely. And it brought back so many memories and so much like, just like, whoa, whoa, Rocio. Mm -hmm. When, when, did, when that happened, like, did you actually ever heal? No, I just, I went forward. I, I knew I had to get out of it, you know, got the divorce in my culture, you know, our Mexican culture, the word divorce is, is kind of a big deal. And it's, not looked at as great, right? It's like, no, Mia, you you stay in there, you 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 know, you fight, you, you it's this weird cultural thing. And I knew that I had to get out of that and I did, but I never really healed and and processed how that kind of impacted 
who I was going to be and, and my self-worth. And it, it followed me. It followed me through even now through my, my, my beautiful new marriage, you know, and, and it's, it's been something that I, I, I haven't, I hadn't been able to process, but I'm in the midst of it. And I, I, I know, I know all too well that I am worthy and that I am worth living this beautiful life that I've created through many, many, many difficult decisions. So it's, it's great. It's, it's good. Yeah, it's good. And it is a lot of processing, like you shared. Thank you so much for your vulnerability. You know, it, it is hard. It, I think that sobriety is almost like marriage. I was listening to this podcast talking about how, you know, even when you just get sober for a lot of people, it's that pink cloud. Like when you fall in love, it's that like infatuation phase and, and you know, everything is great and you are just loving the process. And then there comes a point where that kind of wears off and we have to make the decision daily and we have to make a commitment daily to almost like double down more than at the beginning, because now you can see the work, just like with marriage. Now you can see, oh, there you are. Like you're a flawed human being. I'm not super in love anymore. It's a different type of love that the show was talking about landing in love versus falling in love. And like, we could draw that parallel to like landing in sobriety is like landing in that decision of I'm going to do this work that is so hard and that I've actually been avoiding through alcohol. And I'm going to make a commitment to myself, which like you said, doesn't always look like butterflies and rainbows. It's actually much more painful than continuing to drink for the most part. That's why a lot of people do go back to drinking. It's because that's easier than the work that lies ahead for many of us when it comes to healing and getting to know ourselves. And it, it's hard. And I'm just really glad to hear that you know that the reason why you're choosing to do this is because you know your worth and that you're basically fighting for yourself. And I think that that is what sobriety is all about, about getting to know ourselves, accepting ourselves, healing ourselves. And you're doing it, Rocio. So, I mean, how wonderful. And you, even at the beginning of the interview, you mentioned, you know, there's self-sabotage in you as an adult child of an alcoholic. I know that's a something that is with many of us, including myself. And, and then you also talk about boundaries and setting boundaries. I feel like you know a lot of these terms that are like, therapy terms that we learned. So outside of having sober friends and connecting with sober people on social media, how have you managed to find these things about yourself? Have you, do you like reading quit lit books? Do you go to therapy? You just seem very aware of these bigger concepts that for many of us take so, so much time to get there. Like, oh, I get it now. I'm self-sabotaging. You know, for me, that took years to even know what that was called. Yeah, Odette. So I, I mean, I, I listen to podcasts, of course, Recovery Elevator, Elevator is my favorite, and La Vida Seca. Um, I have been reading a lot of Quit Lit. I've been listening to it. Um, I'm not the, the greatest, like, actual reader reader, so I love listening to books um, on Audible. And so I, do, I did The Naked Mind. I, I tried really hard to, to, to read that at first in the beginning of my sobriety, but I could not get through it it just had a lot of scientific stuff. And I was just like, no, I need more like hard stuff. So I, I went to memoirs. So I did the luckiest club or the luckiest, we are the luckiest. And mm -hmm. that that's an amazing, amazing story by Laura McCowan. And so 
so yeah, I, I've, I've been part of all the Quitlet books and the podcast. Um, I actually have not meditated. I haven't opened that chapter. And it's like this, I'm saving it for like, I don't know, I'm saving it for some reason, but I really, I would love to start to do that. So that's something I haven't tried, but I think really it's been, there's just been so much gratitude in my heart that I just, I've surrounded myself with this feeling of like, I'm so thankful and I'm so lucky. My accident took me out. I didn't work for a year. I think that that going back to work has been a blessing. I was a little nervous in the beginning because, you know, my job, there is quite a bit of alcohol surrounding this lifestyle, this job. And, um, but it's been, it's been a blessing. I, I just, I feel like I'm, I'm seeing my job in a different way now for so long, managing um, being away from my children and being away from my family, because this is what my job gives does, you know, in order for me to work, I have to go away. And I've lived this, this lifestyle where I'm just always trying to find a balance and sobriety has given me that bad. It's, it's, I'm still, you know, working toward working with it, but it's given me a chance to actually really find a good balance to where I don't feel guilty going away to work because I know that when I'm home, I am home a hundred percent, right? I'm clear. I'm present. I'm there. My kids know it. My boys know it. They know that when I'm watching them play, I'm watching them play. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. And I've, I've done a lot of forgiveness of myself, right? I've had to really, really go into those places and forgive myself for just the things that we're not very proud of and actually be grateful that I am where I am. And I know, I know where I stand in this world, you know, like I know why I'm here and I, I don't know the, 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 the greatness of it. Like, I don't know how big it's going to be, but I just, I know that I'm, I'm here and, and my boys need me and I'm married to the most amazing man in the world. And I am a daughter of a beautiful, beautiful woman who has worked so hard. And I, I tell myself about a lot of that, like my mom, I just, I remind myself, my mom's never drank, um, she never had the luxury of having an addiction or drinking problems. She always had to work so hard for us. And I just think about how hard she worked. And I just remind myself that my mom did not work this hard so that her daughter could, could not realize her worth. My mom is, yeah. So I've just really been able to, to focus on everything. And I'm not, and I don't want it to sound like, you know, Several people have reached out and been like, well, is it really that great? Um, do you feel, do you miss it? Yeah, I miss it. I'm, I miss, I miss different things about it. You know, I miss like, like, do I actually miss the, the, the actual alcohol going into my body? Not really. I think I miss the more of the situations that arise from alcohol, where it's like, sometimes you have those like nights where you're drinking and, and you get really like kind of close with friends and then people like really get, that's when they feel like they want to spill their guts and you know what I mean? Those like, kind of gatherings where that kind of comes about. But now that I know that my more genuine self, like I, that's not my real self, like me crying at, you know, and drunk and talking about like feelings that you, and that you don't remember the next day, that's not my most genuine authentic self. So anyway, that's kind of, 
that's kind of where I'm at these days. No, I, Rocio, no, I love what you said about your mom. You know, you, in a way, you are creating this legacy for your family. And I think that, you know, as parents, we just want our kids to be okay. And we want our kids to be able to stand up for themselves and fight for themselves and not give up on themselves. And that's exactly what you're doing. And for you to be able to see that in hindsight now, and I can hear the gratitude in your voice. It's always, like I said, contagious in your way of showing up in the world. And I'm just really happy with you because you do deserve this. We re- we deserve to remember and to be present. You know, we we've talked in the past about the importance of memory making and how we're worth remembering every beautiful thing that happens to us. And we can't really do that if we're numbing out all the time. So your, your testimony is just so beautiful, Rocio. And I feel like we could chat forever, but we have reached the rapid fire round. So I'm going to give you some questions. And if you can answer them in 30 seconds or less, that would be fabuloso. Are you ready? Listo. Listo. I'm ready. Let's do it. What is a light bulb moment you've had during this journey? The light bulb has been that I am worthy. I can do this. I am strong. And my kids, they need me. What's your go-to response if you go to a party where nobody knows you and someone offers you a drink? I I always just say, sure, I'd love, like, do you have a, like a seltzer, a topo chico, or a glass of water? <laughs> I always just kind of ask for that. Or I bring my own. Or honestly, sometimes I even just kind of say, if they like specifically ask if I want some like wine or something, I just like, oh gosh, no, I don't drink, but I'd love a seltzer. And I, I kind of throw in that I don't drink a lot more these days and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Like, it's like a badge of honor these days where I'm just like, no, dude, I don't drink, but I'll have some seltzer if you have it. <laughs> Amazing. It's that confidence in our decision. I love it. Um, what is an unexpected perk of sobriety? Okay, so the whole like, oh, did you lose weight? That question, it kind of gets me a little bit because I'm just like, you know what? I didn't quit drinking to lose weight. Let's put it that way. But my skin, I, you know, I, I feel like there's vanity everywhere, but I, I feel, I just feel healthier. I, I feel like I, I look at myself in the mirror and I like what I see. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like that. I like that version of me and I like Rocio that way. It, it opens up possibilities of what else could be. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream, Rocio? Chocolate. Chocolate. What parting piece of guidance can you give to listeners who are thinking about ditching the booze? I would say that, well, you could do it. I would say that the, the fear, the fear that surrounds not drinking not ingesting the alcohol is, is, should be greater than the actual fear of like, just your worst, like drunken binge, you know, like, I I feel like, I feel like we're, there's so much like, I don't know, I can't even talk about it, but it's, it's hard. I know it's hard, but you could do it. And day by day, it gets better and better and better. And it's, it's, you're worth it. And before we depart, can you give listeners your own? You may have to say adios to booze if lying. Oh, gosh. Okay. So you may say adios. You may have to say adios to booze if you're driving, you're the passenger driving your son to a baseball tournament and you are sick to your stomach because of the night before 
and you're in the freeway and you vomit on yourself and then you show up to the baseball you have to stop and get a whole new set of clothes and then you show up to the baseball game looking really cute and then put it everyone's like Rocio how do you look so cute and in your mind you're thinking you should look at the bag in my car it's not my car right now (laughs) that's so bad Hi, Rocio. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that you are living this life and that I got to meet you for it. So thank you for joining us on the podcast. I appreciate you sharing and I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you, Odette. Um, I just love this podcast and I love you and your beautiful family. And I, I appreciate this third, third time's a charm. Yes, we got it. Gracias, Rocio. Have a great weekend. Adios. Bye. Very well, Timari. That wraps up our interview for today. And before I say adios, I want to leave you with something that I say often, but I think that it is important to remind yourself of it right now at this time of year. So just a friendly reminder to protect your energy. Now we got a couple of weeks left in this year. And for many, this is a time of year that may be tricky, Um, having a lot of overwhelm, having a lot of emotions. There's a lot of blessings and also there's a lot of stressors. There's a lot of lack of routine, a lot of feelings, a lot of family dynamics. It's a lot. I don't know if I'm just speaking for myself, but it's a lot. So just remember to focus on yourself. You know, it's a season of giving and that's what we've been told forever. And also, it's the season of giving yourself permission to take care of you. You don't want to feel drained as you enter the new year. So make sure that you're setting your boundaries. Make sure that you're doing the basic things that are important for us to function, like sleep well and drink water and feed yourself and just really protect your energy. Really, really take care of you. You matter. Remember that you're not alone. And together is always better. Recovery Elevator, this isn't about missing out. This is about gaining and adding to our lives. I love you guys. Get out of the story. Get out of the story and use the mind to locate the body. Move the energy inside by talking.
your thinking.